everyone needs to forgive. Everyone, <clears throat> everyone needs to be forgiven. Forgiveness is one of those concepts that many of you use find unsettling. John F. Kennedy said, forgive your enemies, but remember who they are. And as the son of Joseph Patrick Kennedy, famed rum runner, I'm fairly certain he learned that lesson quite early in his life. Many UUs aren't comfortable talking about forgiveness. Some consider it to be a purely Christian concept and are concerned that it could be a gateway drug to other Christian ideas. But true forgiveness can set one free from any unhappy past, whether engendered by you or by someone else. People who transgress against us may beg to be forgiven. Please, please forgive me, someone may plead. That person may think that your forgiveness will benefit them in some way. But forgiveness does little for the one being forgiven. It does not absolve anyone of the wrong they have done. It doesn't erase the pain, sadness, or sometimes even horror that they visited upon another person or persons. Forgiveness doesn't mean reconciliation. One doesn't have to return to the same relationship or accept, accept the same harmful behaviors from an offender. As Agent Gibbs on NCIS said, never accept an apology from someone who just sucker punched you. Forgiveness is of much greater value to the forgiver. The best definition of forgiveness that I ever read was on a sign in the window of the chaplain's office at Lutheran Hospital in Cleveland, Ohio. It read, forgiveness is giving up the hope of a different or better yesterday. I have since learned that the quote is from Jerry Jampolsky, MD, offer of forgiveness, the greatest healer of all. It is the realization that something was done to you may be annoying if you're lucky, or horrifically life-altering if you're not, has happened. And there is nothing you can do about it. It has happened, and it cannot be changed. No matter what kind of justice or punishment is done upon the perpetrator, the event is in the world of reality. Wishing that it hadn't happened does not negate the event, but it can keep you focused on it. Letting go, letting go of the hope of a different or better yesterday does not take away your grief, but it can allow you to come back to the light. Maybe only a tiny glimmer of light at first, but eventually, and it may take years, even decades, that light can become a ray of hope for the future. Forgiveness does not change the past, but it does enlarge the future, said Paul Booth. And Bishop T.D. Jakes said, forgiveness does not exonerate the perpetrator. Forgiveness liberates the victim. It is a gift you give yourself. I would like to read you an excerpt from one of my favorite books, favoritist books, <laughs> A Book of Ruth by Sorel Rogovin Leahy. Ruth is a 26-year-old Jewish school teacher. She is in love with Jim, a 39-year-old Catholic priest. Jim went into the priesthood for a very bad reason. He had done something that had led to the accidental death of a young child, and he felt that he could never be forgiven. 
He refused to tell Ruth about it, and he was consumed by guilt still after 15 years. They have been able to steal a precious two days from Jim's impossibly busy schedule to spend alone together at a friend's cottage on Cape Cod. Their conversation has turned to forgiveness. You forgive everyone too easily, Ruth said. What do you do when someone does something unforgivable? People don't tell me about unforgivable sins, said Jim. That's part of what makes them unforgivable. I did something unforgivable once. I don't think you did, but I did. It was four years ago, and even if it were 40 years ago, I could never forgive myself, and no one could ever forgive me. It was that kind of thing. I was living alone then with my parents in Brooklyn. In May, my aunt died. She lived in a little house in New Jersey. She taught me to grow things. You know how those plants you get from a florist always die on you? Not my aunt's. If she gave you something, it lived forever. She was that kind of a person. I knew she was dying. I knew it all winter, and I intended to go out and see her just one last time, just to say goodbye. Maybe so she could give me something that would live forever. I never went. That's the whole story, really. In May, of course, when she died, I was in Oregon. I'm always away when they die. When I came back, it was over. It was too late. I had missed the boat, missed my chance, missed everything. I think for the first time in my life, I understood what irretrievable meant. She started to cry. There wasn't even anyone I could say I was sorry to, she said. All those times when I said I was sorry because it was the polite thing to do, and this one time when I really felt it, there was no one to say it to. How can you ever be forgiven for that kind of thing? How many Hail Marys would you have to say? How many Our Fathers? How many days would you have to be able to have to fast to be able to go back to New Jersey in 1968 and say goodbye to my aunt? Listen to me, he said softly. Forgiving isn't retrieving. I would forgive you not just because I love you, but because of what you are right now. There's no point system in my book. I don't give them and I don't take them away. I don't think your aunt did either. I think she forgave you before she died the way you would forgive someone else. I'm sure she gave you something that will live forever. Like Ruth and Jim, I did something unforgivable once. I made a mistake that could have killed someone. I knew what could happen and I did it anyway. Save my own miserable hide. And the only possible excuse I have for what I did is that we can do things when we are frightened that would absolutely appall us at any other time of our life. It happened near Christmas. And my husband of the time and our son and I drove up to my mother's house about four hours away. I was immersed in fear, guilt, and self-loathing. My mother knew something was wrong because I was very quiet. 
And anybody who knows me know that when I'm quiet, there's something going on. And because I wasn't eating. And if I don't eat, especially at Christmas, there is definitely something wrong. After a day or two, I told her the whole miserable story. And to this day, she's the only person I've ever told. And she is dead. After 30 odd years, I am still so ashamed that I can't talk to anyone about it. Not my husband, my son, or even my best friend. Mom put her arms around me and said, don't borrow trouble. It may come to nothing. And then she said, whatever happens, we will be okay. Do you wonder that I miss her every day of my life? I felt a little better after that, but it was still on my mind 24-7. A few days later, we drove back to Ohio. And because it was near Christmas, it was dark when we started in the late afternoon. And Tom will tell you that anytime I am in a car for more than an hour and I'm not driving, I'm asleep. I sleep on all plane trips, too. So I was in that world between wakefulness and sleep, maybe like an alpha state, when out of the darkness came the absolute sincerity of, sincer certainty of total conviction that it would be okay. I didn't know how or why, but I knew beyond the shadow of a doubt that it would be all right. And immediately after that came the knowledge that no human being no matter what age, no matter how wise or powerful or wealthy or well-educated, no one has the tiniest, most infinitesimal particle of knowledge of what God is like. A few days later, I learned that no one had been harmed by what I was done. And as far as I can tell, no one knew about it. And I had entirely escaped the consequences of my actions. I called my mother to tell her, and she said, see, I told you not to worry so much. Now, I can't say that I am in any way in, I'm in any way glad that this happened. I wouldn't wish for anyone to have such a transgression on their list of wrongdoings. But I believe that the knowledge that everything would be okay was the forgiveness of God, goddess, universe, whatever you want to call it. And the knowledge that no one understands God, God, or universe, or the ultimate concern, that was my something that will live forever. And yet after more than 30 years, I can't entirely let go of it. At one point in the book of Ruth, Ruth asks Jim, how can you forgive others so easily when you can't forgive yourself? Well, I know the answer to that one. I can forgive others easily because I find it difficult to believe that anyone I know has done something as heinous as what I have done. But when I realize that I'm thinking about it, I say, behind you. And for a time, I am able to let go of the hope of a different or better yesterday. And if I can continue to do that every time I think about it, then maybe all those short times will add up to a very long time and I may be able to stop thinking of it altogether. And if I can forgive myself, if you can forgive yourselves, we will be set free.
I leave you with a story. It is from a National Council of Churches ad from about 50 years ago. It was in cartoon format and the characters were drawn as stick figures. And it went something like this. Once there was a wealthy rancher. He owned 20,000 acres of good grazing land, 6,000 head of cattle, a very large, beautiful house. In short, the rancher wanted for nothing. And every Sunday, he ostentatiously placed a $100 bill at the church collection plate. If anyone was caught committing some type of transgression against the rancher, his ranch hands would bring him to the rancher, and the rancher would most likely say, string him up. It'll teach him a lesson. Now, on the edge of the ranch was a small farm. The farmer owned a few acres of poor quality land, had a few head of cattle. His home was little more than a shack, and it was a real struggle to put food on the table. But every Sunday, when he could, the farmer would add a $1 bill to the church collection plate. But the farmer's life grew more difficult, and his family was starving. So in desperation, the farmer tried to rustle a cow from the rancher, and he was caught. And when he was brought before the rancher, the rancher said, string him up. It'll teach him a lesson. And that rancher went right on going to church every Sunday and thinking he was a right and proper Christian. And then one night, the rancher had a dream. And in his dream, he stood before his maker. The rancher's teeth were chattering and his knees were knocking together in fear. And do you know what his maker said? Forgive him, it'll teach him a lesson. Blessed be.